Hey, welcome to my basement, everybody. We are going to have an incredible show today. One of my good friends in the uh, industry, uh, he's, a, he's a broadcaster, he's a podcaster, he's uh, done a lot of television, he's an actor, and uh, he is a host working with CNET right now. We're going to find out all about what he's been up to. And of course, we worked with him on Reviews on the Run. I love this guy. He's a terrific dude. Jeff Kanata joins us right now. Jeff, thank you so much for appearing on Vic's Basement. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy to be here. You know, I, I'm a big fan of you, and uh, we're buddies. So this is this has been this is great. I'm so excited. We've known each other for a long time, brother. And yeah. um, you know, I'm cutting my review of uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane, and of course, I mentioned the fact that Dan Trachtenberg was a part of Totally Rad Show. So. Yeah. Mere minutes ago, I was cutting a little clip from one of your Totally Rad Show episodes into the review, <laughs> and I'm struck by you know how how long we have known each other and traveled in the same circles. You're a great friend with uh, one of my great friends, Jose Sanchez, yeah. who just loved your show and and was a super huge fanboy for you guys, and uh, kind of like the way he was with uh, with Judgment Day too. He's a, a positive force of nature, that guy. That's for sure. One of my favorite people in the world. Totally. And he introduced me, I think, to you guys. But it's amazing, you know, how we just keep evolving and changing and growing and getting our tentacles into all kinds of different things. Um, yeah. You know, and it's, it's especially kind of crazy to be talking with you the, the week that uh, Dan's big movie hits theaters, which is just insane, right? I, I am, I've, been, I've been sort of overwhelmed all week. You know, I got the chance to see the movie last night and... Um, at a press screening, which was just a, an odd experience going to a press screening. I've been going to press screenings for so many years. And most of the years that I was going to press screenings, you know, seven years I was going to press screenings with Dan sitting next to me yeah. as he and I were watching movies and dreaming about movies and being fans of movies. And here I am at a press screening uh, as his name comes up in the credits. It's, it's, uh, it's a remarkable thing and it, and it makes me so proud. I mean, I had nothing to do with it, but it's proud. It makes me proud for my friend that yeah. that he that he dreamed it and then he did it. And, yeah. and uh, I think this is just the beginning. Anybody that goes and sees this movie this weekend is going to realize that this is a filmmaker to be reckoned with. Absolutely, and this, it does not feel like a first movie at all. He it's, it's, doesn't it's, pull any punches at all, man. It's very guttural. You really are taken almost instantly from this. You know, it's a, it's it's uh, that visceral is that term that gets thrown around too much, but it applies fully to this movie. Oh yeah, it's I mean the first, punch. the first uh, couple of minutes when it, the first time any text comes up on the screen, I'm not going to spoil how that how that happens, yeah. but. The, when the title comes up on the screen, I was like, yes, this is, <laughs> it's, it's so, it's so good right from the beginning. And then you get taken on a ride and that ride has so many twists and turns and the performances are all great. Yep. Um, it, it does not feel like a first movie to me. It feels like a, a very confident film uh, that knows how to attack an audience and keep you on the edge of your seat. Because I, I mean, there were moments where I forgot to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. No, it's terrifying. And then it makes you laugh. And yeah, it's an incredible work. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But first, let's get caught up because it's been a few years since uh, you were on our show and right. we were working together. And uh, I guess I should I, let people in on the reason why that was, that why we had to kind of make the change. It's basically you're, you're in the acting union and we were a non-union show. And right. Uh, and I, our profile was rising as we were making more and more shows and we were just getting a little too, uh, you know, out there with the amount of content that we were making. And I, I just couldn't 
turn the show into any kind of a, a union show. We just never had the right. budget to do something like that. So I had to make the difficult call, and and uh, you and I discussed possible scenarios of how it would work. But uh, we certainly didn't want to not have you on the show. You were terrific on Reviews on the Run. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, no, I, I loved working with you, and I loved being a part of the show. And it was, it was you know, a lot of ways it was a dream come true for me. And, and I, you know, I cherish that time it was really 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 fun to be a part of but yeah you know uh hopefully our paths will unite some some place down the line again and yeah. uh, you know i'm always i'm always a fan of the stuff you do and um yeah it was a, i i cherish those episodes and i'm i'm also really glad that now you're giving people a way to see the older stuff uh yes. in, in a new way that's really cool yeah i mean the plan is to eventually release all of it but obviously i don't have the budget to just uh, unlock all of that right away it takes man yeah. hours it takes people and we don't and we want to have some kind of curation on the way that it's all delivered so we're you know behind the scenes we're trying to figure out how all of that happens um, and I also want to do a lot more with the archived, you know, not cut together content as well. Sort of the longer form sort of stuff that we have. So, yeah, trust yeah, me. Yeah, such a wealth of content you've got yeah. there. It's, gonna, it's cool. Yeah. Well, you too. I mean, you, you've got these, as I was watching that Totally Rad show today, I mean, I, you must be incredibly proud of that era. And I'm sure it's coming up a lot right now and you're feeling yeah. very nostalgic this week for Totally Rad show. But That's for sure. Those were great episodes too. You guys had this chemistry that was undeniable. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. We. Um, it doesn't seem like uh, uh, that long ago, but we started in 2007. At least it doesn't seem like that long ago for me. But it, you know, in internet years, that's a long time, yeah. and uh, things were a lot different back then. I mean, this is pre YouTube in a lot of ways. YouTube really hadn't happened yet, and uh, to do de delivering video content at that time, I think uh, I think we were a little ahead of the curve. Yep. And um, you know, I'm I'm so. I feel so honored to still have so many fans from those days that are coming out in droves now and talking about how happy they are for Dan and and just sort of remembering that time with with fondness and uh, you know it, 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 those were some of the best years of my life being able to honestly honestly what I got to do and I'm kind of getting a little emotional right here yeah but uh, I got to you know hang out with um, some of my best friends in the world and laugh every week and you know you can't you can't get any better than that well, that's you, just about, you, about as best as it gets you you can't manufacture that right you get right. those moments the, for the first time and i totally yeah. know what you're talking about you know it's uh the 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 art of building and the craft of building and the joy of building something with people that you really love and care about is something that is worth more than any riches any gold anything you know and it's but, true but it yeah. trains you to also have the discipline to try to preserve and protect that and you know, one thing that I've always admired about you is your uh, desire to remain positive and to find good things and to love loving things. And, you know, yeah. I obviously share a lot of the same philosophies. And I think, uh, you know, if we were hosting a show together, it would just poof into a big puffy cloud of rainbows and hearts and things. <laughs> and, and, and people would be, just, ah. but, but uh, I, I respect that greatly because I think we live in such a cynical world and, um, and, uh, you know, I think that you are someone that really appreciates, because you build your own things, you really appreciate how hard it is for other people to build things, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I do. And, and I don't, you know, I don't, um, I don't come by that sort of positivity, as you don't. Mm -hmm. I don't think either of us come by that artificially. Like, it's, yeah. not, it's not a put-upon thing. It's just sort of who I am and, and how I uh, approach the world. And, 
um, I think you probably agree with this too, that all we really have, our only currency is authenticity, is sort of be, be who we are and, and say the actual opinions that we have and, yep. and people find value in that. So, um, you know, that, that's what I really try to protect is, is, is how I feel about something and not allow uh, outside influences to sort of encroach on that or feel like, uh, you know, I've been doing it so long that now I feel uh, cynical about it. But those are the things you protect against. But, you know, getting excited about things and, and wanting things to be great, uh, I, I come by that naturally, as I think you do. Yeah, and I, you got to applaud that. And honestly, what entrepreneur at any stage or any industry, any, any sort of source of manufacturer doesn't have optimism oozing out of them. I mean, it's sure. all just trying to see if the impossible can become possible. And yeah, and uh, no, I, I, I take I have great admiration for how that exists. And it certainly exists in you. I see it in a lot of YouTube creators. Uh, I certainly cast people and have asked people to join our programming. If I can see a sense of that in them already, that ability to be self motivated and, and, and their own entrepreneur kind of uh, yeah. kind of philosophy, I think that's really important. Um, but let's talk about you in 2006 before uh, the Totally Rad Show got off the ground. How did you meet Alex and Dan and, and sort of because I, I believe and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that was kind of your your first kind of super public foray into the space that we are both currently enjoying right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I had been acting um, uh, mostly on stage, but I'd done a bunch of uh, soap opera, like, you know, a few episodes here and there of, of soap operas at that point. So, I, but yeah, I, I was, you know, I was living in Los Angeles. I was working, um, selling tickets to uh, live venues, like working in a box office, selling tickets as my day job and yeah. auditioning during the day and, you yeah. know, pounding the pavement. And um, through a friend of a friend, um, I kind of got invited through this uh, this email chain uh, for a bunch of guys that were sort of had geeky interests and um, all had never played Dungeons and Dragons before. So we were all, you know, adults yeah. who had never, who for some reason or another, had never had a chance to play Dungeons and Dragons when we were kids, but always wanted to. Right. And this email chain went around and, and ended up setting up a, a Dungeons and Dragons game. And uh, we all met up and Dan was there and Alex was there and a few other guys were there and uh, I only knew one other guy but right from that first moment Dan always talks about this he said I showed up and I was wearing a Superman shirt yeah. and he said when I walked in the door he knew I, he would like me and it's the same <laughs> same thing like I knew, I knew immediately that I liked Dan and Alex yeah and we all clicked and it was like a Jerry Maguire moment yeah, it's what, <laughs> there's those times when you meet people and you just sync up, you know, yeah, for sure. and they're all too rare, in my opinion. I'd, I'd like that to happen more often. Yeah. But um, but yeah, we became fast friends from that Dungeons and Dragons game and we started hanging out and having these conversations. Um, and uh, Alex was doing Dignation at that time. Right, and right. Uh, Dan was doing a show called Geek Drome. Mm -hmm. And we were having these conversations passionately arguing about movies and video games and comic books and movies and, or, and uh, television. And we kind of turned to each other and said, I think these conversations would be interesting to other people. Yeah. Let's make a show. Yeah. And so we uh, we got together. We recruited a college friend of mine uh, named, named Steve Kinchelik, and he was our behind-the-scenes guy. And we cobbled together the show and um, and put it out on the Internet. And from there, it just sort of... 
You know, a lot of people say, well, if I want to make a show like The Totally Rad Show, what do I do? And I always go, well, you got to sort of be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about what it was. It was like, it just happened to be a time when there was very little video content on the web at that point. And we, you know, synced up with Revision 3 and got an audience. And I think uh, I think it was, it, it was a lot of serendipity. But, um, you know, that show went for seven years and I'm really proud of it and and it, like I said, it's some of the best years of my life. How many episodes did you guys end up making of uh, Total, Totally Right? Well, I should know that off the top of my head, but I don't. Yeah. Um, yeah as the we, years go by, you lose the count, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, we made a switch. We were a weekly hour-long show for the first three years. Mm -hmm. And then after that, we switched. I think it was three years. And then we switched to um, to daily content, five days a week. Yep. So then the episode numbers get a little bloated because when you're doing daily, you yep. know, so uh, yep. I know we were in several hundred shows, but um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was... Well, how many times a day do you get asked to uh, recreate the Totally Rad show? Well, this last week, it's been quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Everybody's talking about, you know, you guys got to do the 10 Cloverfield Lane episode of the Totally Rad show. And, yeah. uh, you know, or and when Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens was coming out, people were, were talking to us about doing that. And yes. Um, we actually talked about potentially doing a reunion episode to talk about Star Wars, but you know Dan is working a bad robot, and it's amazing, uh, yeah. It's, it's you know he's working shoulder to shoulder with JJ. So is he so, seeing all the Star Wars stuff? Is he having everything spoiled for him? He must be, well, right? Yeah. He, it's I mean I don't know if spoiled or if it's the fact that it's it's a dream come true because he you know he's the editor of uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. Mm -hmm is the same guy who edited all of the Star Wars trailers. Oh, man. So his editor would be working on the Star Wars trailer while Dan was there, and Dan would weigh in on, you know, some of those decisions. So, wow. I mean, I don't know that I'm supposed to talk about, but yeah. you know, he, he, uh, he was involved in all that process, and he, he would t tell us about the days that Steven Spielberg would stop by and be watching a cut of the movie, and they would all just be hanging out and Holy talking about Holy shit! That's I mean, awesome. he's lived the dream. Yeah. He's lived the dream. And it's, That's awesome. It's it's incredible. It's incredible. Well, let's pause now and let's have some Star Wars talk with Jack okay. Kanata. All right? Because uh, you and I actually haven't talked about this. What did you think of uh, Episode 7? Oh, man. I, I loved it. I, 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 at this point, you know, it's, it's almost uh, redundant to say you liked it because, like, everybody likes it. But it's... No, it's you it's know what? A lot of haters have come out. And we employ one of them right here, actually. <laughs> oh, really? Blake's not a fan. He, he wanted to, but he's, he's not a fan. And there, I, I read the... The criticisms and there's tr you know it, there's some definitely warranted complaints out there you know with the recycled kind of uh, narrative and another Death Star and and the yeah. conveniences that uh, that they sort of put together uh, but let's ignore that for a second we'll get back to it tell me your your unabashed uh, positive positive thoughts about, about yeah this. I mean I, I definitely sympathize with some of those things and yeah. and, and the sort of template of uh, episode four that was used you you certainly feel it, yeah. uh, and 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 for a lot of people, I'm sure that isn't um, that isn't the feeling that they wanted to have. But for me, it comes down to characters, and I think that what JJ understood, and what Lawrence Kasdan understands, and what what the movie really unifies itself around yeah. is the feeling that I walked out of that movie, and I wanted to be Ray, I wanted to be Kylo, I wanted to be Poe, I, I wanted to. Like when I was a kid and I wanted to be Han Solo and Luke Skywalker. Yeah. I wanted to be those characters. I want to hang out with them. They're people I want to I want to be in that world. Yes. 
And uh, unfortunately, you know, I don't want to hang out with Qui-Gon Jinn. You know, he, he doesn't seem like a fun person to be around. <laughs> Even you saying, saying? saying those names. Yes. Right? No, I know. I, I, that's one of my favorite things about this resurgence of Star Wars. I've said it on the podcast before, but it's the uh, it's the mystery that we have now. And it's that it's that optimism. It's that hope. It's that even if you didn't dig all of this, the choices in Episode 7 is that you're now thinking, what are they going to do? You know, yeah. how are they going to answer that? Where where does this all lead? And those are some really dramatic things that happened. How did yeah. they answer? How do they beat that? Like, how did they, do they make their Empire Strikes Back? We weren't feeling that in the prequels. We right. were, you know, looking at them like this. You know, for like, oh my God, yeah, oh no, my soul. And, and you know, and and there isn't anything in Star Wars Episode Seven that is as spectacular as that lightsaber battle with Darth Maul and Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. You're right. Like, yeah. Nothing in that movie yeah, you're right. touches it for pure spectacle. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because I care more about the lightsaber battle between Kylo and Rey. Absolutely. And because I care about those characters and I'm invested in that story and and that is that is what has saved Star Wars is understanding that that's what's important that the spectacle isn't what's important. Yeah. And I'm hoping that as we progress and we get more of these movies that we will now be able to fill in the spectacle and it will be hand in hand with all that stuff and we'll get more original ideas because I think I think the the one thing that I didn't that I feel was a missed opportunity from episode 7 yeah. is that you know the X-wings look like X-wings the tie fighters look like tie fighters the there, it was the a star killer base looks like the Desta. It, there's nothing new there's nothing yeah. really fresh um, it was the safe choice to win back the hearts, right? And what's the first line of uh, that uh, Max von Sydow says? He says, uh, uh, "This will this will go a long way to making amends or something like that." Yeah, exactly. And and that's what the movie is. It's making right. amends. It's trying to get us back there. And I can't imagine the pressure that all of the creators were feeling, and all of the back and forth, and the heat, and the like, yeah, like getting George out of the room and, you know, like, and I'm none of that easy, right? Like those are people that really, everybody cared about it, but still out of all of that and all of that greed, right? Cause there was also the, like the corporate necessity of this coming back in a big way. Right. A great movie still got made. A very fun Star Wars movie still got made. It's yeah. not perfect. It's not as good as four. It's not as good as five. I think it's probably not even as good as six. Yeah. But it's uh, it's still a great, fun movie that brings us right back into the thing. And I agree, the characters are all amazing. And I love collecting the action figures. I love the new diversity that we have in this universe yeah. as well. I love this freaking dude, this BB-8 guy. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's my favorite right now. I mean, that's that's to me, that is the, the triumph of that movie is I can't wait to hang out with those people again, those yeah. characters. And yeah. the fact that we're going to get more movies with them. It, that I just want to be around them. I want to hang out uh, with all of those characters. So and it was, uh, you know, this is a crazy week because JJ is in the news right now. We just reported on, and other people have too, about uh, him apologizing for the non-connection between Chewie and Leia. Did you feel that when you saw the movie? Did you were you questioning why Chewie just walked by Leia? Uh, I know I didn't really think about it at the time, but uh, looking back on it, you know, I guess you can't hit everything. Uh, but yeah, it, it didn't bother me. Bother me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's gonna. It's it's interesting to see. You know, I fe I feel like um, uh, Ryan Johnston has. He I have so much confidence in him. Yep. But he has so much more pressure. Responsibility. Yes. Oh my god. No. Well, between like, between those two guys, JJ and Ryan, and now and and Zack Snyder, 
It's yeah. like they're carrying the weight of like an industry, not just the properties, but like, like imagine yeah. if episode seven sucked and everybody hated yeah. it and it got like oh. a third of the, its box office. Like, yeah. what, what no, would I mean, Disney it, been doing right now? It, and and it's it just it's so much more likely that it would have sucked. Like yeah. the it's it's so improbable that it was actually great. Right. Like it's not it's not an easy thing to 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 serve all of the masters that that movie had to serve and yes. still be a, a great experience. So, yeah, I mean, it really is, it really is uh, a blessing for all of us to be able to have a star Wars movie that brings it back. Yeah. Big time. Okay. And the other big thing that came out of this, and I don't know if you thought this when you were watching Daisy Ridley as Ray, uh, she's now being rumored to play Lara Croft in uh, a new Tomb Raider movie. Does that, yeah. does that not fit? I mean, when I was watching her the first time, I was like, there's our Tomb Raider right there. I mean that it makes so much sense, especially having played the last two sort of reboot video game versions, where she's much more down and dirty and gritty and real and mm -hmm. grounded. Uh, I would love to see that version of Lara on on screen, and I I think Ray, um, Ray I call it Ray. I think Daisy would be a, a perfect fit. I I also think that Daisy Ridley could probably do a Jane Eyre movie or something. You know, like yeah. I think she she doesn't have to just be an action star. No. She really. I think that that girl is going to be a mega star for a lot of years, yep. and I think she has the range to do pretty much anything she wants. So, as much as I think she would be a great Lara, I kind of hope she does something really different next. Shakes um, up, yeah, just yeah. to sort of prove that she can be, you know, she has the the range to do anything she wants because I, I really think she does. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, and I, obviously Oscar Isaac has been proving that for a long time. And yeah, um, who? What's the Kylo Ren guy? What's his name? Uh, Adam Driver. Adam Driver is amazing. Yeah. So yeah. funny, and yeah. uh, I also loved. Uh, uh, oh shit! I'm I'm blanking. Uh, Finn's real Finn, name. Yeah. Uh, what's John his Boyega. Name? Yeah. John he, Boyega. Yeah. Yes. He's he's just you know, tons of charisma. That guy. It did oh, feel yeah. in the movie that he was trying to be the the comedic uh, part of the movie, and he was working it compared to sort of the the, the sort of balance where everybody else was, uh, hmm. but still terrific to watch and a lot of fun yeah you know what i want to do right now and we'll, we'll get back into kind of the stuff that you're working on and and uh, have been up to since uh totally rad show and reviews on the run days let's sure. see if uh, people have got some questions for us blake anybody been uh throwing some questions our way uh yeah <clears throat> yeah i have a few from the chat you weren't asleep were you blake no, I was clearing my throat. Sorry. Okay, all right, okay. Um, <laughs> He's upset that we guys, both love the movie. I know. You guys were just talking about Laura Croft. Yeah. Um, Brock Hickman has suggested that Jeff play Nathan Drake in the movie. Ooh. Are there any plans for that? Okay, Brock Hickman is suggesting that you play Nathan Drake, Jeff. Twist my arm. In in the Uncharted movie. How do we start I, that happening? Should we should we hashtag this sucker or what? Yeah, I mean, I, you know how uh, hashtags always result in uh, <laughs> that, castings. That's so. well, no, yeah. I would, I would be, I would, it would be a dream come true. That would be amazing. But I, I don't think Hollywood works that way. But I appreciate the sentiment, uh, and I'm flattered that people see a resemblance between uh, uh, he and I. Um, so yeah, maybe you know, I, I did go uh, as Nathan Drake one year for Halloween. So He's the I best. think that pretty much qualifies me to play the character. There it is, right? Brandon yeah. Routh went as Superman one year, I think. That's what got him his role. Done and done. There it is. We solved it. Hollywood, yeah. done. Just watch our podcast. We got this all figured out. Yeah. Any other questions? Uh, yeah. A couple of different people have asked about, um, they just unveiled Spider-Man and the Avengers Civil War. Yeah. And people want to know what Jeff thinks of that. Okay. Um, uh, what do you think of the new Spider-Man in Avengers Civil War, my friend? 
Well, I am thrilled. I am thrilled. Uh, there is a part of me that is really sad that that couldn't have been uh, a reveal in the context of I the know, movie. I know, right? Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I don't think people remember how great it was at the end of Iron Man after the credits that Samuel L. Jackson came out and no one knew he was in the movie. Like, the fact that there wasn't a press release beforehand that said, hey, Samuel L. Jackson's playing Nick Fury at the end of the movie. Like, I, I yearn for that feeling of a surprise. I, I'm not watching the Civil War trailers. I'm not, I, I try to avoid all trailers at this point because I pretty much see every movie anyway. I so know, I, I, know. I don't want to spoil it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I'm weird, I suppose, but I like to have the excitement happen within the context of the film rather than beforehand. And as much as I'm thrilled that Spidey's going to be in Civil War, and I think he's essential yes. to telling the story that happened in the comics, um, I wish that I didn't know it and that it could, because I can't, I would just be out of my skin if that happened and I didn't know it was going to happen. Especially because right? we know why it's happened, right? Like yeah. we know all of the deal and the machinations and all the right. money that's been sort of on the table to put Spider-Man back into this. Yeah, all of that stuff yeah. kind of removes the magic, doesn't it? Now we know it's, I, it's, it's I, a I monetary thing. Yeah, It's like somebody reported on the fact that David Copperfield bought a box and he built a fake mirror in the side. And then, and then he also, you know, he got a lady who's short and a lady who's long. And, and then it's like, okay, well, in, in summer of 2017, go see him saw a lady in half. It's like, well, but you just explained to me the process by which he's preparing to do that. So I just want to go see him do it. You know, just I want to be transfixed by the magic of it all. And I don't need to have it all spoiled for me beforehand. But but yeah. again, I am a little more extreme about that stuff than most. What are you more excited for, Civil War or uh, Batman versus Superman? Well, I'm a Marvel zombie from way back, so okay. I, I, you know, for me, it's Mar, it's the make mine Marvel. Uh, I'm, I'm, and I think Marvel's universe is better. I was deeply disappointed by Man of Steel uh, mm -hmm. from a tonal perspective. So, mm -hmm. I, I have very high hopes that this movie redeems Man of Steel, um, but I fear that it won't. <laughs> so, so I'm definitely much more excited about Civil War. I guess uh, a lot of people feel that way about Man of Steel. I, I actually like that movie uh, because it was so different than the Donner stuff, and I like yeah. the ballsiness of it, but uh, I totally understand why people had reservations. I mean, Superman actually kills somebody in the thing, or appears yeah. to. It looks like they're bringing him back, and there was so much death and destruction uh, from all the buildings going down. I get all of that, but I, I dig that there's a response kind of to that in the new movie, at least it appears so in the trailers. But that's what could be the really big surprise here is that this actually turns out to be a, a, a terrific movie. And that I, that could be incredible, you know? I'm rooting for it. I mean, I love Superman. I love Batman. I, I, I love the Marvel stuff uh, from my youth more than DC, but I definitely have a soft spot for DC. I mean, there's, there's Superman stuff all around my room. And, I, you know, I, I want those movies to be great. And, yeah. and I think that's why I was so disappointed about Man of Steel because I had such high hopes for Man of Steel. I was ready for that movie. Yeah, to talk just... about an incredible trailer, right? When that first oh. popped out, it was, and the music was so oh. great. Yes, yeah. I just thought it couldn't go wrong, and yeah. I, I was shocked that that it did. Yeah, so, yeah he, he's got a heavy hand, that Zack Snyder. Uh, all right, um, any other questions at all, Blake? Uh, yeah. Okay. I have another good one. Okay. Uh, Swan Gore 
wants to know what's that 70s sci-fi looking box just over Jeff's head okay hey Donnie good question uh, uh, want, uh, Donnie wants to know what's that 70s looking sci-fi box just over your head in the background the the NB one this one it's it looks like a seven is it the NB one Donnie that, that I guess we, blue we have, and white box we have to wait for a long time because of well, the way that the I'll explain chat... I'll explain what that is. Okay. So I did a, a a show that I raised money for on Kickstarter called yeah. Newest Latest Best. Okay. Uh, and this was the a prop that we had custom built. Uh, it's NLB which or NLB which is the uh, the logo. It was a, a box, uh, and we had a custom build. It lights up. It was sort of the table at where we talked, and um, I'm really proud of that project. I'm really proud of that Kickstarter, and I'm really uh, I'm hoping that someday it'll it'll live again and so it's uh, it's become a fixture in my office here so that was kind yeah. of you trying to um uh, go off on your own and build a talk discussion uh event travel type of yes kind of show like that right like you wanted to be a little bit more magazine style with with the show yeah yeah, yeah it was sort of a follow-up to, to the totally rad show when, mm -hmm. when that folded and uh, i'm really proud of it we did uh, 11 episodes um and uh, I think it I think it came out really, really great. And I was hoping that it would get picked up somewhere and we get to make more of them. But that hasn't happened yet. But yeah. I remain hopeful. I think it's a viable idea that still can can live on. And I I keep that, in, you know, in the, in the room to remind me. Yeah. No, listen, it's a it's a very strange world right now. You know, the the world now has a camera. Everybody has one in their in their domicile, you know, whether it's on a computer or a phone. Uh, or they've got a, a good DSLR, and everybody is able to kind of express themselves and build content. Um, and that's what programmers that have money and sponsors that have money to invest are kind of grappling with is where they go with yeah. their dollars. And I don't envy any of those. That's what's taking us, you know, frankly, quite, quite a, such a long time for us between the 25th season and a 26th season. And it's uh, it's it's a strange time, you know. It's yeah. hard to get this stuff off the ground. It's it's really, um, you know. I'm sure you were as amazed as the the rest of the, the the fans around games and that kind of pop culture were when G4 looked like it was gonna die, and then it did eventually did die in, in 2012. Yeah. It you know, there's a lot of appetite for this material and a lot of appetite for discussion around this material, which is what all the YouTubers and the Twitch streamers are kind of proving out, but. Yeah, finding the homes to program, you know, quality, well-produced content around this stuff is tricky. It's absolutely tricky. yeah, yeah, because yeah, people are sure. seem to be quite content with just watching, you know, one or two people in front of a a, a home camera of some kind, yeah. just talking about all of this stuff. Kind of the precursor, <laughs> or you guys were kind of the precursor to to this whole sort of revolution with the Totally Rad Show. I, I guess maybe so. I mean, I, I don't think we ever anticipated this kind of thing. And we were certainly trying to create uh, as close to a television show as we could. I mean, we had aspirations to create, you know, Electronic Playground. Mm -hmm. we, we, we wanted to, that's that's the kind of show we were hoping to make. Uh, and and I think um, I think we are a little uh, old school enough to to want it to be a, a real television show. You yeah. know, and I think yeah. and I still like that. I still love that aesthetic. Yep. Uh, I'm not. I mean, I, I watch my fair share of YouTube and I watch a bunch of Twitch streamers because I'm so addicted to Heroes of the Storm. But uh, I also don't want to tune in to just see, uh, you know, stream of consciousness necessarily, um, you know, in, into a webcam. I, I really do like things that 
have a little forethought and have a little structure and you know packaged and and, um, uh, aware of people's busy lives yeah you know totally yeah Yeah. I mean there's uh, there's a great joy out of this 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 connection that we have with viewers and and uh, this instant kind of availability and the the lower cost for production and the access and the ability to, to send all of this stuff out is awesome but yeah there is definitely something to be said uh, for tightening things up and packaging them and having a little bit more diversity that's the, you know frankly that's what i'm working towards again is to continue doing what we have been doing um, yeah. but it's it's tricky man like everybody is trying to figure out how this sort of moves forward and and what people's they're they're trying to look three steps ahead of of uh where we yeah. are today and uh yeah, it's it's just a different world right now, you know. Um, but I I believe, and I think you still believe, because frankly, you're working on a magazine show right now with with CNET, right? Tell tell us about it, it's tomorrow today is is the name tomorrow of it? daily tomorrow yeah. daily. Okay, tell us about the show. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, it's me and Ashley Esqueda uh, on CNET, and we have kind of a carte blanche to do what we want. So we talk about the things we're interested in, which is uh, technology and gaming and pop culture and um, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. We do short episodes, uh, Monday through Wednesday where we kind of hit the news in a, in a real bite-sized way. And then we do a longer form show on Thursdays where we dive into those topics uh, a little deeper and we'll have a guest on to talk about cool stuff. In fact, uh, in today's, today's Thursday, today's episode, uh, we interviewed Steve Wozniak, which was like a huge thrill for me. Yeah. I'd never met him before. And, uh, I was, that was a total bucket list thing for me because, I mean, it's not often you get to meet somebody that literally changed the world. Yeah. Um, and he and seems like a guy that doesn't have attitude around it, you know? He not just, a shred of yeah, attitude. Yeah, that's he cool. Is, he is exactly what you hope he will be. That's he, great. He really, he's a, his mind is constantly engaged in working. He's got tons of great stories. He's mischievous and, and full of life and energy. And he just live, looks like he's living the best life in the world. He just seems like the coolest guy. And almost every time I see him, he's, he's got, uh, it's at an iPhone launch is when he pops up every year. Yeah. And he's got like six of them. And he's, he's yeah, he he's had a backpack. Just... It, at our interview, he had a backpack that had nine phones in it. <laughs> uh, and he had, he had an Apple watch on one hand and he had this other watch on another hand that's made out of old vacuum tubes. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's gigantic. I mean, he's just, He's a tinkerer and a geek at heart, and it, it like he's as authentic, but a down to earth and engaging. And he just wanted to talk to us about about stuff. You know, he he wasn't pretentious in any way. It was great. That's awesome. So, are you guys on the road quite a bit then for tomorrow daily? Is that is are you guys uh, not traveling? Too much. No, we do some stuff uh, on the road, but uh, you know, the show's based in L.A., so we have L.A. guests and we have a studio in Burbank that we have people come into. Um, but we do some road stuff and. Um, We'll uh, we'll be traveling for for a few things here and there, but mostly it's it's L.A. based stuff. Awesome. And are, yeah. are you shooting in a studio in Los Angeles? Does CNET have an operation down there? Yeah, they're you know they're a division of CBS Interactive. Of course, so right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So we're actually in the same studio where they do Entertainment Tonight. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. So we're like sharing space. So like the like the uh, the Real Housewives come in and they're like, well, we got to use the space. And it's like, okay, okay well, I guess we're second banana to the Real Housewives. <laughs> Who isn't yeah. a second banana to a Real Housewives? <laughs> right. That, I mean, that kind of stuff on television, it just makes my skin crawl that there's so much time given to garbage like that and so yeah. little time given to, you know, not the 
you know, financial reasons why it's great that Spider-Man is in the Civil War trailer, but okay. the emotional reasons, you know, nobody discusses that, you know, and right. uh, yeah, that drives me nuts, you know, and I've said this to you before that if I was running one of these networks or if we had, um, you know, a budget to produce more content, I would absolutely bring you into the fold to build whatever you want. I mean, I wanted to <laughs> get EPN growing big enough that we could have uh, revitalized the Totally Rad Show and have all of you guys. Oh, but then 10, Cloverfield, then 10 Cloverfield, Cloverfield Lane wouldn't, wouldn't have gotten made. Yeah, Dan is Dan doesn't need to do internet shows anymore. <laughs> but, uh, I'm sure he would uh, he would lend his support in any way he could. He's you know he's a great guy and uh, yeah, I mean I would of course yeah. Well, you know we'll keep making our things however we make them and yeah. we'll find our audiences however we need to find them. And I know that there are like-minded folks out there who crave great content and really want to you know engage in that conversation and and you know love the things that they love and and you know I we may not have uh you know a whole network uh on a major cable channel or whatever but uh you know it's you just we'll, we'll, we'll have our audience well you t you do and you just got to do what you enjoy and and uh take pride in it and yeah. have fun with it every single day and, and it's you you can't really you can't really worry about that you can't really yeah. kind of uh you know stress about where you're not just right. do what you can do at the at the 100%. best of, of your ability. And one of yeah. the things that you do very well is uh, two weekly podcasts, or do you do more than that? Oh, I do, uh, at this point, I'm doing three podcasts. I do a video game podcast called DLC, which you have guested on. Yeah, uh, thank you for I, that. No, thank you for that. Uh, I do uh, a movie and TV review show called The Slash Film Cast. That's okay. affiliated with SlashFilm.com. Yep. And uh, I do a comedy science show that actually we put out three times a week. They're only 20-minute episodes, um, and it's called We Have Concerns, which I do with Anthony Carboni. Um, and that really has been a joy because that just show is just silliness and fun um, three times a week. And so, yeah, people have been really uh, really embracing it, which we're now, all All audio, though. You're not doing video stuff with all of those, right? No. video. The only video show I do is Tomorrow Daily. Tomorrow yeah. Daily. What do you like about the, you know, bouncing back and forth from the formats? Do you prefer to be in front of the camera or do you prefer or do you like the mix of it? Well, I like the mix of it. I mean, I love being in front of the camera. It's fun to be able to do uh, some of my shows in my underpants, yeah. you know, like you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, and I particularly like doing uh, We Have Concerns in the audio format because we really get to do theater of the mind you know that show uh has improvised uh, skits and stuff in it and we can really create images in your head that we would never have the budget to make right um, okay yeah and that's what's fun you know we can take you to places and do things and become other characters and have wacky weird interactions that exist because of the audio format in your head and i also think that the audio format um it's very intimate you know people have a relationship with podcasts because they're right inside your ear and sure. they're so close to sure. you. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that feel, there's a connection there that I, and people, the way you they listen to podcasts, when they're commuting, when they're exercising, when they're cleaning the house, it's a very personal, there's a very personal moments. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. I really love that. We used to be audio only with Fixed Basement. And uh, when we started to do the video, it was, it was, you know, kind of like, well, we're a TV show. We should yeah. probably do some video with this. But yeah. we started to hear from a lot of listeners that wanted the audio, you know, and, and uh, 
they the it it's changed absolutely you you kind of have to perform for the camera you have to kind of recognize that someone else is in your podcast with us which is the viewer and then especially yeah. when we started to stream live that's a whole other dynamic as well sure. um, and you know we try to do the best that we can obviously we still cut this up and make the audio only version of it but yeah I, I know exactly what you're saying I miss uh, the audio only stuff that we used to be able to do maybe we'll do it again at some point but uh, I think mixing it up like you're doing is probably giving you a tremendous amount of creative fun right yeah, freedom. it is. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to do more video stuff. I, I, my heart is in video and I love being in front of the camera, but, um, yeah, you know, for now it, having that flexibility is really, is really fun. And, um, you know, I, I, and I, as a fan of audio podcasts myself, I, I like to be able to think that I'm, I'm the person that somebody pops in their ear to help them get through, you know, a, a an exercise routine or, you know, yeah. a run around the block or try to get them through that horrible, commute that they have to do on the way home because I use them for that myself. So I, I just, I like being that service to people. Yeah, that's awesome. Listen, I had this, uh, this kind of a deep thought the other day because you, you know, you do this stuff long enough and you question your life, you know, what am I contributing <laughs> to the world? You know, like I, I've always been a nerd. I've always loved this stuff and, and making this content, you know, am I doing the right thing? You always think that. And I see that with a lot of people that are making games or, in the, you know, covering them or talking about them. My daughter came up after we had beaten a, uh, a couple of dungeons in uh, Twilight Princess, we're playing that together. And, um, I, you know, I got ready for, for work the next day and she, I got up before her and then she got up and the first thing that she did when she came up to me was, can we go play more Zelda right now, daddy? I wanna Aww. play more, can we go back into the dungeon? And it really kind of hit me that, you know, it was, it was cute and it, sure it's obsessive and there's things to be worried about there, but also just the fact that, you know, like it, what, it, what it made me recognize is that we really need entertainment, you know? Yeah. We, we, don't just, we don't just have it because it's, it's you know, a trifle and that, that it just fills right. a space and a gap in our lives. It, it makes our lives more interesting and more flavorful and more fun and, uh, you, you know, and, and when you have moments like that, it's like it's a it, it affirms why we would do these crazy things, why we would aspire to to try to, you know, build this content and get it out there and, or, you know, Danny to pursue a film directing career or you yeah. to keep knocking on uh, on the doors of actors or of directors to to uh, to get film work, you know, like, yeah, there's uh, no, I agree with you, man. I think you're absolutely right. I think that. Um... I definitely have those moments where I feel like, am I just entertaining people while the world burns? You know, are we yep. just distracting ourselves as as we head into oblivion. <laughs> it's, yep. it's easy to think about that these days in particular, <laughs> yeah. but um, but I do. I think you're right. I think the, you know, I, I have one of my favorite quotes. Uh, I don't know whoever who said this first, but my one of my favorite quotes is, "A moment enjoyed is not wasted." Yeah, and I, I I really believe that. I I think that um, adding joy to people's lives and and having these fulfilling moments where we play play is is essential. It is a part of the human condition that is essential, and it's it, it positive and it does help us. It nourishes the soul. Yeah, and um, you know I I think I think these things storytelling uh, is how we pass on lessons and how we pass on life experience. Um, 
and you know storytelling of all kinds should be exalted it's it really is important stuff so yeah and i think yeah. the stories about storytellers and and the discussion around it you know obviously i'm speaking uh not impartially here but i think that's also equally valid and important sure. and you know I, i've said many times what inspired me to to get started with ep was uh um, you know, the old entertainment tonight that actually used yeah. to, I mean, you, it's, it's so ironic that you're on the stage where they're filming <laughs> the new entertainment tonight and they're not about entertainment. They're about the real housewives of, right. you, know, <laughs> you know, but the old entertainment used to be about entertainment. They used to take us in and they'd show us behind the scenes and they'd interview yeah. all aspects of how stuff got made. And I loved that as a kid growing up. I'm, they were on the sets of Raiders of the Lost Ark movies or, or Indiana Jones yeah. movies and Star Wars movies. And I mean, that, was as cool as those movies getting made to me, you know? Oh yeah, me too, man. And now I, that's I all to, disappeared, it feels like. I used to watch that stuff with my with my family. We used to watch, you know, Mary Hart and John Tesh uh, on Entertainment Tonight every night. We would watch that stuff and it was it, it did it did seem like this window into a mysterious world and yeah. 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 And and I think that that's part of kind of what I was talking about before in regards to Spider-Man and and the sort of not that information is ever a bad thing, but we're, we're there's such a deluge of information now, and and we it, I think it there is a bit of um, fatigue when it comes to sort of just knowing so much about so many things, and yeah, and uh, there's no there's no room for magic and mystery, and yep. I, I I I don't know, unless you uh, avoid the trailers and surround yourselves with uh, you know many many different tastes and things uh, you know many different ways you know don't get obsessed with just one medium you know yeah like yeah which is easy not uh, easy to say hard to hard to live by when there are amazing games that you just can't yeah. put down you, you mentioned uh, what is it the heroes of the storm is that you're oh man I'm to? addicted to that game yeah. completely Oof. what do you think of this new free-to-play culture that we are currently existing in in the video game space well it's certainly a double-edged sword no. uh, it, it is it's pretty incredible that we can you know I can p play games of such high quality and download them without having to give anybody a dime uh, and only you know charge I'm only charged for things that I like and w want to give money toward uh, I've spent a heck of a lot of money on heroes of the storm yeah. but I don't reg yeah. yeah I don't regret it I mean I've only bought cosmetic items and doodads and costumes and things that that are completely frivolous but i <laughs> i i'm supporting a game i love and i i feel good about it and i i love having my little guy look awesome I, you know like i think that's that's very cool yeah it's you know the other edge of that sword unfortunately is the the stuff that exists a lot in the mobile space which is the um it's free to play but it's sort of manipulated to be not free to play and yeah there's all these paywalls and there's all these uh, carrots on the end of sticks that that force you to pay for certain things and and that's where it gets into just this psychological game of convincing you to pull the slot machine a, a few more times yeah um, and I think that's that's problematic and it's hard sometimes it's hard to separate those two but there are companies that are doing it well. Blizzard is one. Uh, I think uh, Riot is is doing it well with League of Legends, and and there are a lot of great examples of companies that are taking the free to play model and really providing something that is great, and you can really try it and really get invested in something before you pay for anything. And then the things you do pay for don't affect the the comp the competitive level of the game, and really don't you know they're things that you can opt into rather than 
forcing you to 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 pay to continue to play. Yeah. My thought around this is one of my thoughts around this is that uh, we were on a road in the mid two thousands. You know, PlayStation two, PlayStation three, Xbox three sixty kind of era. Yeah. Um, to almost getting to the the triple A was kind of a real mainstream moment across media on a consistent mm-hmm. level. I mean, that's right. still happening. You still have the Grand Thefts and the Halos and things like that. But right. there was a lot of there was a lot more AAA development, and there was this kind of, uh, and we could certainly see it with the reaction to our content on our show. I mean, I was having television broadcasters all the time saying, well, you guys are covering the coolest things. These right. things are, look at how much money they're making. They're awesome. They're huge. But now they've kind of really disappeared in a lot of ways. I mean, we, we get maybe 15 really big event-type experiences a year yeah. now. Yeah. And where the mainstream, the mass, the, the, the mass audience for what could have been, you know, more AAA kinds of escapes, they've all gravitated to these free-to-play experiences. And they're now split between being obsessives in, you know, for, you know, a mobile triple, you know, a mobile uh, free-to-play or one, yeah. one of these uh, League of Legends or Dota type experiences out there. And I, I mean, it's part of the evolution of the business. But as someone that, you know, got drawn to this, to covering this industry because of that AAA space, it's been, it's been a little bit freaky and disheartening to see all of this stuff happen. And I certainly hear from a lot of viewers that they're a little dismayed with the current state of things. You know that yeah. that a lot of their their initial investments into uh, you know the brands of PlayStation and Xbox and Nintendo, even to some degree, have have all kind of shifted in totally different directions. You know, there's just less for them to buy and get excited about. Yeah, I think that's true, and I, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's a complicated tapestry out right now because yeah. there's also this all this energy in the independent space that I find really invigorating and sure. fun, and so many cool new ideas happening there and. Uh, and the accessibility for you know on the Steam Store, for example, of just how many things you can play that would never have been able to be sold before, right, um, right. because they weren't AAA, because they didn't have a marketing machine behind them. But there is that that barrier has been removed. Um, I think that's cool. But I totally sympathize with what you're saying, and I agree. It's it's um, it's hard. I I'm I'm very bullish on uh, virtual reality, yeah. and I think that if it takes off, and I, certainly there are lots of indicators that it may be a slow thing to take off. You know, chief among them, the cost. Yeah. But uh, but I I have enjoyed the experience in VR so much, uh, and I'm so excited for it, and I really think that it could be something because you know it. There's no, not going to be any kind of Twitch channel where you can watch somebody play in VR that's going to give you Unless the you same the, experience, yeah. right? And there's not going to be any um, – um, it, it has to be a first-person experience. Mm. It's, there's, you're not going to be able to watch a video and understand it. You're not going to be able to it, – it's, it's a unique kind of thing that requires a kind of AAA experience to be a part of but also asks you to participate. Yeah. Rather than just sort of be an observer, and I wonder how disruptive that may be, uh, and and allow people like you and I who have experience sort of articulating the emotional feeling of these kinds of experiences, to sort of be pe- people that can help 
consumers decide which of these experiences they want because they're not going to be able to just watch a YouTube video or watch a Twitch channel to make that kind of decision. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting thing to see where what VR does to the market. That is an excellent point. Absolutely. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to disrupt. I mean, that that Twitch slash YouTube of, of VR, someone's got to be working on that right now, you know, but the only way you'll be able to appreciate those vids or that content that gets made is by actually wearing VR, right. VR sets, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. this is, it is very, it is very fractured and wild and crazy and, and uh, it kind of explains, you know, the, the, the kind of fractious way that we are working right now too, you know, just yeah. this kind of like in little bits and pieces and, and uh, with cobbled together technologies and just trying to figure it all out. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Well, everybody, you know, everybody's yeah. in the same boat. It's yeah. like, you know, nobody's, nobody's quite sure what's next, but yeah. I mean, I'm excited. I, I, you know, as somebody who loves games, there's, there's, there's so much great stuff and there's so much energy there. And I think as we, you know, have make efforts into creating a more diverse group of people who make games, I think, and these tools get simpler and more accessible and more widespread. And I think you'll get artists who choose to use video games as their medium. Yep. Uh, whereas, you know, when we were growing up and first starting covering games, it really was only technical people that could make video games. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think and the industry perceived itself like that as well. Yeah. You know, I'd visit these studios and they were like, uh, you know, I don't know, like they could be making word processing software. You know, right. they were the, these technology companies as opposed to an entertainment company. That was one of the things that I really struggled with in the early days of Electric Playground. I'd go to these companies and I'd like, God, could you put some goddamn art on your walls, please? Like, let's yeah. make this look good for, for television, you know? You guys right. make things that emotionally connect with people, not just <laughs> numbers here, you know? But you're yeah, right. That, but I think that's changing, you know, and that's evolving. And, and because... The barrier of entry is is being removed, and people are able to use the tools without having to understand how they work. You know, yeah. And it's the same thing. It's very com comparable to to filmmaking. You know, be, the accessibility of the tool set and the, you know, you don't have to understand the inner workings of photography. I mean, it helps, <laughs> but yeah. you don't have to to create a film at this point. Right. And I think that that's going to be the same thing with video games, where you're not going to have to actually know how to program something. You, you'd just be able to use the tools to create something that's artistic. And I think that is going to make games much more interesting and, and much for a wider audience by a wider audience. What are you playing right now? What's What's been uh, occupying your time? Other than Heroes of the Storm, enough of the plug for that game, all right? A but, lot of that, okay. uh, but also The Division. Yeah. I'm, I'm really uh, hooked on The Division. I, I, I'm so pleased. It's with an excellent how game. It, yeah. It, 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 Every, every indication was that it was not going to be good. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the constant delays, the weird teams that were being, you know, used for it, how long it took, when we first heard about it to when it's coming out. Yep. It just really felt like they weren't quite sure what they wanted to make. And uh, the result couldn't be more different from that. It, it really does feel like the game I was hoping it would be. Yep. And it's super fun. It's a great, interesting world to be a part of. The shooting is fun. The MMO aspects are great. I'm I'm really digging it. Have you done the second screen stuff with that game? Did they still employ that? I haven't even picked up a tablet or downloaded an app around that. I don't think that's in the game. Okay. I, I know they made a big deal about that a few years ago. They did, I just, yeah. I don't think that exists in the game. I don't okay. think that made it to the game. Okay. Yeah, terrific I games. Could be wrong. So has that occupied all your space then? There's nothing else that you've been playing? Did you play Firewatch? 
I loved Firewatch. Yeah, yes, that's right I, up your alley. Very much so. Yeah, yeah I loved it. Um, and um, what else have I been playing lately? Um, I was getting into a lot of different things. Um, gosh, oh, um, the fire, the flame and the flood. I thought was quite good. It's mm -hmm. a survival game. Um, I really liked that. Um, something else just recently that I played that. Did you check out a drift? I saw that Anthony Carboni went and visited with uh, Adam Orth to take a look at a drift. I'm looking forward to that game in a big way. Yeah, it looks great. No, I didn't get a chance to go with him for that. Um, I yeah, I'm, I mean any VR experience, I'm I'm super excited for. Um, have you I got, got some of the rigs in your house already? Have you got some? Have you got an Oculus? Not yeah, but I I pre-ordered both of them because yeah. I'm I'm that guy. Oh but, Jesus uh, Christ! Yeah, I, <laughs> your I poor guilty. wife. Yeah, don't tell her. <laughs> is is she joining in on this stuff with you? Like, is this going to be a house full of uh, of uh, geeks and fans for this stuff? Uh, I mean, she she's she's always up to try stuff. She's not a, a gamer per se. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. She, uh, I, I'm very interested to have her try the VR because I think I'm just very curious how she's going to embrace that. Yeah. Um, we we play a lot of board games. You can see all the board games behind me. We play a lot of board games together, and she's always a game for that. And and I love. Um, playing tabletop stuff with her because she's so smart she whoops my butt but um so from 2006 when you hadn't played a game of D, &D before as an yeah. adult human yes uh, now you are uh, you know a, a full-on evangelist for board games out there you're quite renowned for your tastes in uh, and your your passion for board gaming yeah is that is that all out of that social kind of connection that you had from those early days when you met alex and dan and 100 percent. yeah 100 yeah. percent. yeah i mean from there we sort of we went to munchkin first and then uh things sort of just exploded from there i went to settlers of Catan, and it was like oh there's all these european board games out there and <laughs> you can see the results i mean there's shelves in, on every wall that are full of uh there's more of those than game video games up there man it's yeah, amazing it's, yeah it's i see it's a dreamcast box up there very good yeah, Bravo. We, got dreamcast, we got uh the ps3 is up there xbox 360 it's my uh i have my 3do in the in the closet nice uh, nice because i paid money for that thing you don't you don't just play a geek on tv you are no, a true geek baby. Yeah. well it's it's almost uh four o'clock here and i don't i don't want to keep you for too long i know we could go up and talk forever man it's always yeah. a joy talking with you but i i have to ask if there are any more questions from the chat my friend Cool. Uh, yeah, I have a few, Vic. Yeah, okay, go for it. Um, you guys mentioned earlier that you like streaming because you can do it with your pants off. Yep. Uh, Ton DeGrosso wants to know if Jeff is wearing pants right now. Oh, Ton DeGrosso wants to know if you are wearing pants right now because uh, you expressed how you enjoy streaming without your pants on. I, uh, I will plead the fifth on that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no pants. No <laughs> pants. Am I wearing pants? Can they see if I'm wearing pants? I'm not wearing pants either. <laughs> okay, another question? If you can have okay, a job um, where you don't have to wear pants, I think you've won. You're winning, right? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, D9000 wants to know, uh, what are Jeff's top five movies of 2015? Oh, good question. D9000 wants to know your top five movies from 2015. Uh, well, I did a whole podcast on that that you can listen to at slashfilmcast.com, but right. I can give you the short version if I can remember 2015 well. Yeah. Um, That's pre-Deadpool. Uh, yeah, pre-Deadpool, <laughs> It's yes. pretty hard to remember before Deadpool right now. Um, my number one was um, – well, my number three was Inside Out. Yep. My number two was The Revenant, and my number one was Mad Max Fury Road. Awesome choices. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, what did you think of Civil War or, or um, uh, the Avengers: uh, Age of Ultron? 
I liked it. I understand a lot of people were disappointed by it. I had a great time. Uh, you know, I'm such a Marvel. Me too. Yeah. Freak. Yeah. That just the just the scenes of all of them interacting and doing the cool thing. Vision like, floating into the building it was just like blew my mind. Like, I'm ne like I, stuff I just couldn't believe I was watching. I was watching. Yes. And uh, yeah, that's what I, like I love that movie. I've seen it like three or four times. I absolutely freaking love that movie. I I can't wait to see how this massive sixty eight person sixty eight superhero Avengers uh, climax ends up sort of turning fact, out. It's ridiculous. The fact that we are in a reality where that's happening, it, <laughs> no. it, it almost makes me feel like I found a genie when I was ten, and and yes. you know. It's I don't know. I do. Supergirl and the Flash on TV everywhere, and Arrow and and Agents of and Daredevils in like two weeks. And it's I know crazy. it's it's insane. Like we are so lucky to yes. be in this time period. You it, know? It, and the fact that it, there's new Star Wars movies, it's like the reality that I dreamed of was made manifest yeah. somehow. When I was 12 years old, I yep. just forced this into existence yeah this is why i said i was at disneyland uh, not too long ago with my kid and and my my wife and like i really want disneyland to, to put up a statue of stan lee and to put up a statue of george lucas i feel like yeah it's imperative that because they're pillars of what disney has to offer now for sure they should be recognized in some very yeah. visual tactile way it shouldn't just be this old disney magic charm because disney now is a lot bigger than just that it's a For lot sure. bigger than the mouse but anyways yeah. let's let's get one more question and i think we got to call it a day my friend okay. cool uh shadow 284 wants to know what's jeff's favorite moment from working on epn okay shadow 284 wants to know your favorite memory from uh working on reviews on the run oh my gosh um my favorite memory was going to a fan expo oh, yeah. uh you guys brought me to fan expo one year and it, it was so cool meeting all the Canadian fans. As somebody who you know is American and has, was born and raised in California, to be able to go to Toronto and uh, meet all the fans, see you guys, be part of that family, that when we all went out to dinner together and just sort of being part of that team, you had assembled such a great group of people that I'm, I remain friends with uh, all of those people. I just had Steve Tilley on the show recently. and. Yeah. There's so many, so many of those people have become dear, dear friends, and um, to be up there in Canada with that group, it was just, it was a blast. Yeah, it was awesome, man. It, you know, and uh, hopefully I'm able to to recapture a little bit of that. It's probably going to evolve and change like it always does, but uh, yeah, that's my greatest joy about being able to do what I've done is to to bring awesome people aboard like yourself, you know. And yeah, Jeff, it's incredible to have you on the show. We're going to definitely oh, do this again. Uh, you are a very like-minded nerd, and <laughs> I, I love talking with you. And uh, likewise, you know, my friend. Yeah, best of luck in in uh, 2016 with all the stuff that you've got going on, and and I can't wait to see. You. I'll probably see you at GDC next week, which will yeah, be great. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Yeah, thanks, Vic. I appreciate it. So much fun. Take care, brother. That was Jeff Kanata. He is uh, a force to be reckoned with in many, many areas of media. And uh, yeah, always a, a welcome guest on this show and a big part of the EPN family. Uh, and uh, that was wonderful. So we'll have uh, uh, some more content for you probably from GDC next week. But thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you next time. Stitcher!